Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dribble Podcast. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper, taking you through another season of talking to guests from the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx, and WA Basketball in general to give you the best insight possible into what is happening in the sport throughout this state. This week, we are pulling back the curtain on the life of injured athletes. We all know that injuries are a part of sport, but they are especially cruel when they happen to someone who is making their way, and it's even worse when it's not just a small injury. My first guest received the greatest opportunity of his career due to other players being injured and then had all those opportunities taken away due to injuries of his own. But he's back now, and while the Perth Wildcats were terrible during Saturday's loss to Tasmania, Corey Sherville hit a little milestone when he got more time on the court than he did all of last season. He played his third game, which doesn't sound like much, but it was massive for him. So, Corey, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Thanks for having me. Three, as I said, three games isn't normally a milestone, but when you only played two the year before, it's qu- it's quite significant. What's it mean for you to get to this point and realise that your body's holding up? Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's definitely it's been a it's been a long road back, but um, and there's been a few bumps in the road, but no, it's been it's been really good to be able to get back and finally get back playing. So let's go back. You had all the basketball highs possible, starting with an NBL grand final appearance. Sherville yep. out for Mooney. This is what they wanted to see more of. And we wanted to see more of you, and then you were playing for NBL 1 for Lakeside, and things went wrong. What happened? Yeah, so kind of just a very innocuous injury during um, just a training session, just literally jumped up and then just landed on someone's foot and kind of knew straight away that I did something pretty bad. I uh, had a Jones fracture or, uh, like, broken the outside bone in my foot um, and then had surgery on that. Pretty much straight away. So a big injury, like you know, straight away when you do an injury like that. What went through your head when you you land? And you realize, oh no, I've done something massive. Yeah, so it probably wasn't until I got up and like tried to take a step and just this, I just got this huge uh, like shoulder pain throughout, well, just on the area of my foot where it was. And every time I tried to take a step, I just couldn't walk on it at all. So yeah, I knew. But some pretty bad um, straight away, and but you know, still even from that moment, like I always try to remain positive, and you know, just kind of take things day by day, and as they come, and obviously I didn't really know exactly what it was going to be till I had the results from scans and doctor's appointments and stuff. So yeah, just take it how it is at that point. It must have been a really anxious time back then because, as I said, you've been playing to the point of where you're starting in a grand final and performing really well because you had those opportunities when other players were injured and you must have been thinking, well, is my oyster? And now suddenly it's, what happens from here? Yeah, like, it, it really was. Like, um, I just, like like you said, like, coming off playing really well in like, my first season, like, towards the end. And then kind of just to have that, I don't want to say taken away, but in that moment it was kind of like the opportunity to get better and like get better over the off season with playing um, in NBL one at Lakeside and like, you know, working out with the coaches and stuff at the Wildcats kind of got taken away and I wasn't exactly sure how long it was going to be for at that point. So what was life like for those first few weeks? How long were you sort of either bedridden or moon boot ridden or crutches ridden? Like what, what were your, your limitations life-wise? So, <laughs> it was a while ago now, but uh, I had surgery on it pretty much straight away. I had a screw put completely through the bone to uh, ensure it heals back together because it is 
bone that has limited blood supply and is also subject to like reef fractures and stuff like that. But um, I was in a moon boot for around eight weeks, I believe. But the first two weeks, yeah, it was about 10 days, 10 to 14 days. I was pretty much just bedridden and just keeping my foot up as much as possible to reduce swelling. Uh, and then there was no walking or applying any pressure to it for. I think it was six weeks after that and then started to slowly build up, you know, just tapping my foot on the ground and then slowly putting a bit more pressure week by week until I was kind of walking in the moon boot without crutches. And then, yeah, building from there, getting out of the moon boot, basically. So a screw in the foot, like it's not it's not normal, is it? Like <laughs> Screws are meant to go into walls and things like that. They're not meant to go into feet. Especially, and and we, as you said, you can't when you can't walk and things like that. There's there's things that with your feet you need to be able to do. Um, it's not like something you can you can protect day in day out. So how painful was that as you were trying to build yourself back into normal life? Yeah, I've talked to a few guys um, that have had similar injuries throughout the time, and they'll all say. And I'll say definitely it's it's a very hard injury because a lot of injuries, especially the ones I've experienced, it's like you see like positive like growth day to day. Uh, this is with this injury I found it was very one step forward, two steps back, and then you know it would just very randomly occur that it got a lot better in one day, and you kind of just had to remain consistent and um, doing the recovery and stuff that our physio and um, stuff set out for me and eventually like seeing the end goal was the you know the light at the end of the tunnel at that point and then that light at the end of the tunnel finally happened in december 17 last year you come back against brisbane and you play for four minutes and it's like got through that one that's all good then uh a couple of days later you play for 12 minutes against the jack jumpers and score nine points and you must have thought i'm good here like my body can handle playing at the elite level again, and I can play, I've performed really well. You must have walked away from that moment thinking, all's good. Yeah, it was definitely like, it was definitely the the number one goal at the top of the list to obviously get back to playing and playing at a, a good level, which um, from what I can remember at that point, I wasn't obviously completely back to where I'd, I'd like to be, but it was good to, it was good just to get on the court and, you know, like be playing and get in there. And then, of course, the team famously left the state, went to Tasmania, thinking you were going for a few weeks, and then the border remained closed, and you're all stuck over there. But but you didn't play for the entire time while we were waiting, and you never got back for, for the rest of the season. Were you starting to feel pain while you were over there? Did it happen during a, tr- a training session where you just knew you were done? Or how, how did it start to progress where you realised something isn't right? Yeah, so it was... Kind of like I said with the injury, like it was always, it was always, there was always pain associated or like soreness as it is with any injury, but it kind of got to a point. I remember kind of once we got over there that I was getting through the trainings and getting through the like game or getting through the games back here. And then once we get over there, getting through the trainings and then it was just gradually kind of not recovering as well or just kind of remaining more sore. And, yeah, that was kind of at the point where we thought, oh, well, let's get a scan and kind of see what's going on. That must have been really worrying. Like, you've had it, they had the surgery. You would have been thinking, am I going to have more surgery? Um, is it just going to be a couple of weeks out? What are they going to think? Like, what, what's going through your head as you walk in for that scan? I don't want to jinx myself here or anything, but, uh, like, I know kind of what I'm walking into and I kind of got a good feeling of the outcomes as any athlete would, with a good feeling of what's going on in their body. And I knew, like, this was going to be pretty serious again without even like kind of knowing the results of the scan so like it definitely was an anxious period but it was 
it was it was kind of a positive from it was like I get to actually know what is definitely going on by the result of stand, not just going through the day to day hoping for it to get better, I guess. And then I can't remember, did you stay in Tassie with them? You, obviously, if you came back, you would have had to quarantine for a couple of weeks by yourself, even if you were able to return. Did you Did you do the whole routine of staying over there and just work through it um, from interstate? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Stayed over there. Yep. Stayed over there the whole time with everyone through Tasmania and Melbourne. So did that help to be around other people and, and be with, with the doctors and, and, and the other staff who could at least work you through the dramas? Yeah, definitely. Like, it was... It was good just to be around the guys. Um, then being over here, I guess, kind of <laughs> on literally the other side of the country, isolated from what's going on with them. So it was good just to see, um, you know, just go through the daily activities with, with other guys around and stuff, sure. So what's it done to your fitness over the past four months or so? Because when you can't run and you, you can't stay fit very well, and all of a sudden that, that's what you need to be able to do to be able to, to be a professional athlete. What, what, what have you done to try to stay fit and look after your foot at the same time as you're building yourself back up towards being able to play? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a long road back because obviously like any, any form of fitness, um, especially muscle-wise, you're going to do and ultimately – to be able to get into like a rhythm or um, just get used to the game again, it's it's going to be on your feet. So it's not saying you can you can if you break your arm you can you know go for a run around the neighbourhood or whatever. It's can't really do much. You can do upper body exercises. You can do some single leg exercises and stuff. But ultimately, it's not you're not going to be able to experience that basketball fitness and that just getting back into the rhythm without having both your feet working basically. So when you go do go out there, and everyone likes to think they're fitter than they are when they when they return, and then they get a smash in the face of a wake up call of "geez, professional sport really is hard again." Was there a moment when you got back out there and everyone else was running around like it's easy, and you were absolutely gassed? Yeah, I was. I remember the first few sessions back. I was like, holy, like I just struggled to catch the ball. Like it was, it was very, it was very foreign. Like the whole basketball to me at that point, but um. You kind of get it back. You get it back pretty quickly. It's usually a quick turnaround in, in those aspects. And how long did it take you to get your shot back? Um, I would like to say straight away, but it, uh, yeah, it comes comes back pretty quick. Like as soon as you, you know, you know, get in. I was doing a little bit already at that point by without obviously like the full jumping and stuff, but with shooting, so that that helped obviously speed along the process um, in that way. And then you came back during the preseason this year, had your first couple of games there to, to build back in. Did, did it feel like you belonged straight away? Did it feel like the, the sport had changed at all? Like, like it, it can be so unique when you haven't played for Lakeside at all during the off-season as well. You'd gone a hell of a long time without actually playing competitive basketball at any level. No, definitely. Like you'd, yeah. It, besides those two games last year, it was basically the grand final series the season before. Like it, it, it'd been a long, a long time between... Between games, but um, no, it was good. Like obviously, we had some, we had a lot of training sessions, and I basically did most of the preseason. I felt like I was in pretty good stead, like in that way. Like I wasn't coming in with nothing under my belt, but obviously, games just a totally different, totally different ball game. But it was, it was just, it was like, it was just good to get out there, regardless of kind of how I played or how everything went for me personally it was just good to be out there and kind of just immersed in that environment 
How do you reflect back when you think of that, that grand final series? Obviously, the team lost, but it was the highlight of your career at that point, being able to you know, start and have, have have an impact in those games. Like when you think back of it, what's your overriding memory? Yeah, it was just it was just an unreal experience. Obviously, running out, like being there for the tip off when there's you know, fourteen thousand fans in the RST Arena. Um, that's obviously a, a time I remember forever, but it was an unreal experience. Obviously, <laughs> we didn't quite get. Well, we wanted that season, but uh, it was, yeah, it was a memory I'll never forget. And since then, like, Trev leaves, Scott comes along, Scott leaves, John comes along. That's three coaches in six games you've had. Like, it's, it's, not, yeah. like, it's not a really normal situation, is it? No, it's not a normal situation, but um, it's, it's the professional world, I guess. And, like, these things happen. Obviously, like, we get new players every year and walkouts of – Obviously, Trev was around a long, a long time before before I came around, and I kind of just happened to come at the point where all the changeover occurred. And obviously, the team started really well, and then we had the weekend, which it's fair to say was a bit of a debacle, a thirty-one point loss, and we know there's fallout when these things happen. I couldn't tell you the last time I've seen the Perth Wildcats get their behind busted like this. This is embarrassing. This is flat out embarrassing. So labelled as embarrassing there by homicide. You've had the review. Or what's been the lessons that have come out of the review? There was a lot of bad things, obviously, to come out of it. But there was also there was also some good, also some good stuff. Like we, John likes to say, never as bad as it seems, never as good as it seems. So, you know, we don't we don't like to be all negative. And it's a new week, so like it's literally a new week. So it was kind of good to get in and kind of. A bit refreshing in that way, like that we're here. Like it's let's get better today. Like we can't control what's kind of happened in the past, and let's just kind of keep this thing rolling. Like we obviously got off to a good start, winning the first few games, um, and then the last few haven't done so well. So it was definitely a, there was definitely a bit of soul searching and um, reflection upon that game and the and the previous game. But no, we had a really good session today, and we'll definitely uh, look to build for the. Next next one. So does it feel cleansing to get it all off your chest and have the discussion and, and, and finish the review when you have such a performance like that? Yeah, and really kind of narrow it down um, in particular. For, well, for me personally and and the guys, just to narrow it down to what things we can clearly like get better at. And a lot of the things were just kind of came down to our, our effort and, um, yeah, just really just playing hard and, Focusing on those things, which we did today, and I thought we did a pretty good job on the training track today. When things do get out of control in a game these days, does it feel harder to, to drag things back? Like it feels like sport can with momentum, especially in an, an away environment, it can be it can be really hard to to change the momentum when the crowd's against you and the the, the way the game is being played is against you as well. Oh yeah, it definitely is. But um, you know, there's always those crazy games where I think we've seen we've seen a few of them already this season in the NBL where teams are off 20 it's like you're never out of it um, if there's anything about this league like the team that plays the hardest is going to win so I think you know at that point there's, there's always the possibility that it can be turned around but obviously like they've got a great team and um, it's it's uh, it's actually a really that's the first time I've played down there so um, it was actually a really cool environment and um, a pretty unbelievable place to play. 
Personally, what goals have you set for yourself for the remainder of the year? You obviously it's baby steps at the start when you're trying to get yourself back on court and just prove that your body's going to be okay. What what would you like to? Where would you like to see yourself by the end of the season? Um, I don't have any huge goals as such. Uh, it's kind of we're still I'm still no doubt building back from my injury, and I'm still not 100 percent the player I was or 100 percent the player I want to be. So it's just that I'm working on my day to day taking it day by day and um eventually i just want to kind of create my own like opportunity and like i'm like just stay ready really and know that opportunity will come just like it did in my first season and kind of take the opportunity with both hands and just in the meantime bring the bring my energy and effort and in whatever way the team needs at this point you have always been that player who grabs opportunity, haven't you? you? As you say, stay ready, and that was exactly what you did. You weren't getting many minutes at all when you uh, before that grand final series. In fact, I think the last game of the season you were playing NBL 1 uh, while the Wildcats were playing, and suddenly you're starting a couple of weeks later. So has that been a good lesson for you that you know, be ready because the opportunity will come eventually? Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, you know, situations arise, whether it's just injury or just form or whatever it is, like we or just a change in you know tactic it can be a, a a multitude of things in which opportunity arises and in the meantime just you know take the take the opportunity at the train at training where you know everyone's kind of got it kind of got the opportunity there to you know do what do what you have to do but it's really just it's quite simple for me it's just like kind of just playing with energy and playing with effort and all the other aspects will um come from that and do you pull up okay these days? How, how's the body feeling right now? Yeah, it's good. It's uh, getting better day by day. Like I said, it's not 100% yet, but it's uh, well on the way to recovery, 100%. Well, that's the most important thing, isn't it? When you've had these yeah. sorts of injuries, getting out and, and having some sort of impact on court's great, but feeling good the next day and, and thinking I can train, I can do everything and not be, not be restricted, that would be the primary goal for any athlete I would have thought when you've had such turmoil that you've gone through. Yeah, definitely. It's just kind of building a consistency at this point. Um, like I said, in, in being able to train every day and get out there every day and perform at the best is the number one priority at this point. Uh, well, that's great. Well, look, thank you very much for joining us. It's been good to see you come back through again. As we know, it hasn't been easy for you. And um, any person who's been through those sorts of injuries uh, knows how hard it is mentally to play again and physically to play again. So it's great to see the work you've done. I'm sure Wildcats fans would be excited to see you when you're back to your full best again in the, couple, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to Corey Sherville. Thank you. Well, onto the Perth Lynx, and the WNBL will launch their season on Wednesday in Melbourne, and it looms as a really interesting start for all teams after what we saw the Australian Opals do at the World Cup with their bronze medal. Those bronze medal-winning players have been given time off since the tournament started, and that means that Lynx star Sammy Wickham has spent just 40 minutes with her teammates during the entire preseason. It's fair to say she'll be getting to know some of the names as she goes once she returns uh, this week. The entire squad will form for the first time on Thursday, which is just six days before the start of the season. They are hosting the Melbourne Boomers in that opening game on Wednesday, November 2. Uh, Perth played three games against Adelaide over the weekend. They had a tie in the first game. They didn't bother, obviously, being a practice match to go into overtime. They were happy with the tie, both teams, especially when they knew they had two more games to go in two days. Uh, Lynx led for most of that second game before losing late, and then they had a comprehensive win on the Sunday. If you're a Lynx fan, you should be excited about Robbie Ryan. Uh, watching her play in the second game of the 
weekend. She was all class with 18 points, and she followed that up with 12 more on Sunday, and that's showing that she should be able to step up from NBL 1 West to WNBL, which would be a fantastic effort for her. Alex Sharp's going to have some serious weapons again this year. She had 11 rebounds on Saturday and really led the team in that department and followed up with 22 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists the next day. Amy Atwell, the star recruit who was drafted into the WNBA, was on restricted minutes in her first appearance on Sunday, but looks the goods. Lauren Scherf is the one to watch, though. She had 14 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists, and the side of her bringing the ball down the floor at times will have other teams scratching their heads trying to work out how to stop someone of her height. I asked Coach Ryan Petrick about her at the end of the game. I thought we were only just starting to scratch the surface of what she could do. She spent her whole career like just in that 1980s big mode of being anchored to the rim and you can only do this, you can only do that. Whereas we're playing her in a much more modern five-out pace and space style offence and learning from Tommy Jervis with Rocco. I was like, well, if Tom can do this in a similar system, what, what could Lauren do? And Lauren's taken it and run 100 metres past. Yes, Lauren Scherf was the runner-up in the Lynx uh, MVP award last year and she looks like someone who's going to go to a serious level this year and hopefully for her we saw what she could do as a three by three player at the commonwealth games and the opportunity for her to enter the opal setup and potentially replace lauren jackson now that lauren jackson has announced that she won't be returning would be a fantastic opportunity for her so if you're a Lynx fan you should be excited about what you could see from lauren scherf this season well that's it for this week's episode of the dribble podcast remember can you can read all of your basketball news in the west australian newspaper and keep logging on to the west.com.au. Thank you to the magnificent Kate Ryan, as always, for her production work. Thanks for Corey Sherville, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Dribble Podcast.